1: It's been so long for Bob. So again, this is Buck Benny speaking. We're talking episode five of Strange New Worlds, Star Trek. And um, I I wasn't completely enamored with this episode, but I did enjoy it. And so there's... there's, Let me put it this way. For me, you got to compare this episode to Trouble with Tribbles. You got to compare this episode to a piece of the action the comedy episodes that have been done on Star Trek. And I'm delighted that they're trying to pull off a pretty straight on comedy episode of this show and that they're, that they, that they're saying, Hey, we're going to work at this. We're going to try and make this work because the original Star Trek did this. And they've done a few comedy episodes in various of the series or tried to, they haven't always worked out the best for sure. So and that's why they usually have shied away from them. I hope they don't shy away from it. I hope they keep trying and at least a few more times. But Bob, you were, you've, this was not your favorite. What, what are some of the things that struck you as not so great? Oh, spoilers, by the way, is this is, all our talks are for after you've seen the episode, because we don't even go and try and lay out the script for the episode anymore or anything, or lay out the plot. We just kind of start talking about it and, it's totally meant for an after-show. So, Bob, go ahead. What? I'm sorry, reevaluated a little
2: bit. Yeah. I mean, there were obviously some good things with all the characters in this one. So, maybe it was as bad as I originally thought. Okay. And sort of
1: Kind of reevaluating. I, I mean, I did like. Well, tell I, you what. Let's let's do this.
3: Let's go to Jim. Let's, let's talk
1: to, about. Let's talk about the. First part of the episode because it's different than everything else. I was like completely impressed with how well they pulled up the, all the critical pieces from a mock time episode. On all the all the I'm talking about the production. I'm talking about the the jingly things yeah. that they shake and they have the bells on them. I'm talking about the the weapons that they they did a really nice job on they they didn't seem as clunky as the original they made them a little more dynamic and and seemed more useful the original seemed so big around i was like how do you even wield those things around these ones were a little smaller and a little more useful i thought the the having it be a, a an obvious dream sequence or whatever was was brilliant uh, in that they had the uh, spock fighting himself literally and i thought that was really cool of having the and, and the and the the spock that was the human side completely just looked like the actor coming in you know and not even doing anything with their hair it's a way i've seen the actor when i've seen him in interviews and i thought that was kind of fun to have the actor be able to, to play the human side of that um, and the fight was It was a nice little fight. I mean, I I thought it would be over way quicker than it was. And there were some movements and some some things. And I thought that was kind of cool. So, uh, Jim, what did you think about that? That just if you just take that scene, ignore everything else. Was there was there good stuff? Am I in the right ballpark? Were you impressed with the production value of the scene? And Jim, you're you're muted, so but uh, feel free to keep sharing that way. And <laughs> it's actually my favorite part of when you share. It's when you're <laughs> <laughs> my most
4: insightful parts, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was actually you know pretty good. I I, I liked it. Um, it it was able to kind of show this internal conflict that he has uh, between him and, and especially and in a very
1: creative way. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah exactly. And and with his uh, Beyonce uh coming in you know it kind of tied into that where he was kind of being torn between two worlds and yes and stuff with that and so it it was a good way of
1: representing that i think i thought so too and and the fact that it wasn't just because one of the things that certainly discovery gets raked over the coals for is its characters like always talking about lamenting what's going on in their lives and 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 so forth and it'd be like if you had spot going I have this conflict between my human side and my Vulcan side I'm just having you know and this presented that without having to have the character go through and verbalize everything and it, it, it made it a visual piece that I think carried a lot of power to it I think whoever wrote that part of the episode deserves kudos beyond kudos that was a brilliant way to To both satisfy fans and go back and show something that was we we all remember fondly, and to to bring us back to that, and then at the same time give insight into the character. I mean, it, it was really good writing and really good production and the whole thing. Uh, but boy, for that you would sit down and go, okay, this four minute, five minute piece or whatever is going to take a third of our budget for the episode or half of our budget for the, I mean, that could not have been cheap to pull all that off, come up with all those props that are only going to be used theoretically once. I mean, unless they say, no, every season we'll go back to this. or I mean, but then it'll get old. So you can't really do that either, but man. I what? imagine a lot of that would not look cheap a lot of it was probably just cgi as far as you
4: know all the background and everything else
1: oh yeah, yeah. it was it was certainly the the volume that they were using uh that that background tool that they i think we've talked about it before where they they have all the projector screens like they do on the mandalorian and it makes uh production so much cheaper to do it's not done on green screens it's done actually live in camera because they have these giant projection screens they go to and they call it the, it's called the volume and uh oh, I didn't so you know that. Oh, okay, so you can put yourself in all these different it costs a fortune to create the first time, but then beyond that, you can make yourselves on planets, you can make it. I mean, it's there when you see the engine room, a lot of the engine room is the volume that they that they're using for that. Certainly in the Mandalorian, everything you ever see is using the equivalent of the volume. And it makes
2: the actors have less trouble having to imagine it because when you're in front of a green screen, you gotta what write a green
1: screen. Yeah,
2: this, right? this makes less, less, more like they're
1: actually in the scene. More like you're actually there. The actors say it's so much easier to act this way because you can actually see the things. It's just tricky because they got to make it reflect the right point of view and everything. It takes a lot of programming to pull off correctly, but it's beautiful and can be, and it's seamless so much of the time, but they definitely created the jingling things, which can't be cheap to make those for one episode. Yeah. The the Certainly the the weapons had to be kind of expensive to make and so forth, but you're right. I mean, a lot of it would be that. So I don't know how expensive that is. I, I mean, a,
4: a system like that though, it doesn't seem like that would really seems like that would almost be more expensive than green screen because um, you're still having to do the graphics, right? You're still having to do the, the, the computer right. graphics to generate that, that that you that you can then project on there. Yeah. So rather than just doing it on the back end and making the graphics and replacing the green screen that you see, now you're doing the graphics and you're project have this whole system to project it, Correct. And then filming that, and so you're still really kind of doing the same amount of work, really.
2: I don't know because like having a little experience like drawing stuff and then scanning it in, like. I tried to do one where I had a background and then I tried to put the characters in it. Trying to get it all the lighting right in the, in the perspective and the sizing post Doing a post is actually quite a lot of work. You got to mess with the shadows and the lighting to make sure they match each other. Mm-hmm. I think doing it this way, I think mean, ultimately is probably cheaper. Yeah. Because you cut out all, a lot of the post production piece.
1: Well, like they say, once they um, do like the engine room, it's done forever. For, they can call it up at any time. Once they do Vulcan, at least, uh, to some extent, I mean, if they ever, ever want to do the Ponfar thing again, it's it's done. I mean, everything's done once, so you, you especially want to use it on places you're going to use over and over and over again, and and, uh, and it works great. So, uh, like I said, the actors love it. The, the production, they say it, looks, it makes their production values look like they're way higher than they have to be. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's kind of funny. It's almost an advanced version of like, remember the old show when they would have the painting in the background, yeah, the
1: city, yeah. except yeah. for what better. Yes, could be way more realistic and everything, and so that, yeah, totally.
4: So it's almost like a holodeck.
1: Yeah, that's what they compare it to. <laughs> that's what everybody compares it to. Is is it's it's it's, it's very similar to the holodeck experience because the the screen wraps around, so it's like it's like a so they can walk around they can they, there's a lot they can do with it yeah
2: i'm gonna build one i'm gonna build one my base but then
1: you think you should i think you should when you <laughs> see i mean they, the actors when they go to see it and they some of the ready rooms that we air usually after our shows they've they've shown it and they've had actors talk about it and everything and and they're like always just like oh my gosh this looks like the most expensive thing you've ever seen especially you walk around the back side you see all the projection all the cables everything it's like just insane what it, it all hooks up there but they use it for all their series i mean they use it for all their live action picard discovery this show so i mean they're trying to get their money's worth out of it for sure what, uh, what is it called it's called they call it the volume and that's what the, the anybody all of hollywood is now calling it the volume is is what they call this concept originally I think they had a different name for it on The Mandalorian because they were like the first people to come up with this idea. But now they're creating volumes all over Hollywood to use. They're gonna, it's gonna, they say it's going to be the biggest innovation for film and television since Green Screen, essentially, because they're going to be using it in everything. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I agree, Jim. It, it, it doesn't seem like it'd be that much cheaper, but supposedly it's like way cheaper in the long run. At the beginning, there's a lot of cost up front, but after that. And also, once you create the thing, you can rent it out to other studios and other people. I mean, there's going to be only so many of these that they create, and then whoever's created them is going to lease them to other companies to use and things and so forth. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, where else are we at with this episode? This is, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, um, So we all were impressed with that scene. And after that, it goes downhill. Apparently, so so. Give me, uh, yeah, Jim. What what are your thoughts on on like where, where where does the episode like? Well, let's do this first. What are the positives from the episode? The things that you enjoy besides the front piece. Is there other anything else that comes out? Not really. Okay. What about? Chapel and Spock's piece. There's, you didn't like that either.
4: Where, where it, it kind of hints at this, this her liking him and her helping him, right? I mean, because you kind of get, you, you get a little bit of the feel of that that whole thing where she kind of likes him. Yep, kind of thing. Um, and
1: to me, that honors the original series, yeah. and that she always Chapel. That was the thing we knew Chapel from is her her having a crush on Spock. So. <laughs>
4: I mean, the the whole episode overall was okay. It it just wasn't, um, I don't know, (laughs) Star Star Trek y enough for me. It was, you know, kind of a, this, just this comical romp as opposed to, you know, the normal kind of
1: Star Trek episode. Okay. Fair enough. Bob, what stood out to you? Any positives that stood out to you? Or,
2: I mean, I I liked the interaction with, her and Spock, and her and
1: there's another scene where she's
2: sitting down with,
1: is it Erica? Uh, I yeah, I think so.
2: Chaplin's another character, I think. It was or,
1: or maybe it was Lon. Was yeah. it Yeah,
2: one of the one of the two. One of the two. And They're
1: pretty interchangeable, so it's all good. So.
2: <laughs> I thought I thought those were uh, good.
1: Yeah, I
4: think it was Lon or Lon, No, no, it was Trap. It was um, Erica.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: And so I like those there was a lot of a little more interaction with multiple characters. Yep. You don't necessarily usually see Spock and Chapel together just alone. Right. Or uh kind of seems like there were some other ones.
1: I kind of like that that it played it like, oh, Spock's gonna come to her now, maybe as his confidant or somebody to to talk to. Yeah. And that plays out well with her wanting it, she's going to be stuck in what well, looks like she's going to be stuck in the friend zone and want to be more than that. And, uh, and, and that's always for any show, that's a golden space to be. And to do that with the Spock character and chapel characters is, is kind of brilliant. And uh, so they can play with that. That'll at least give them a couple seasons. They can kind of play with that piece. Um, some point they're going to have to bring it to a head or something, but. Uh, my
4: my biggest drawback of this entire uh, episode though was the the doctor yeah somebody really should have taught him how to uh use a fishing pole Uh. Uh, how to cast a fishing pole (laughs) 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 he's like oh yeah i'm gonna go out and do fishing and stuff like that and the way he was handling the fishing pole and casting it was like have you ever actually used a fishing pole ah i mean it was just it was kind of kind of it was it was like you know you take a a three or a four-year-old to use a fishing pole and how how they use it it was just kind of
1: of course you don't know hundreds and hundreds of years in the future have is fishing like a not a thing that most people don't do at all it's hardly ever done and is he just going off of what he's no, I, I guess. Well, he caught by people who didn't know how to fish either, or something, or who knows. Or, what? or,
4: or maybe he just just like, you know, I'm going to try fishing because I've never do, done fishing. So right. I got all my gear and I'm going to go try fishing when he's never done it. You know, I yeah. guess maybe
1: it could have yeah. been what they were trying to go for. But yeah, or yeah, was just, the, just actor, the actor and no one on, on set knew exactly how to fish. And so they did their best. Quite
4: yeah, but, but, I, but when <laughs> I stopped doing the, the casting, it was like, it's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you couldn't have got
1: like just a, I don't know, a little better at casting than that. I will say folks online are are saying that that was one of their, it was just cool just seeing a character going fishing and and there's nothing else to it than that. And they kind of like that. And, and it just kind of was a cool time to spend with a character. And so, uh, and I could live with that. And I, and I didn't sit here and, and take apart, I mean, I'm not the world's best fisherman anyway, so I was like, all right, he's fishing, that's all right. So, yeah, but I see your point, for sure. <laughs> uh, Bob, you got anything else to point out with this one? Yeah, that was bad, that fishing. Uh, fishing was bad.
2: Oh, totally ruined it.
4: it. It took me I, completely I, out of the episode. Well, <laughs> I, I do, I want to go back to chapel
1: for just a second, now that I think about it. I loved her seeing her hair done differently when she, when she was like going out on a date or whatever. And she had, they had her in a pretty outfit and the whole thing. I thought that was kind of cool and, and getting her a a little insight into her character that she's like, I don't want to get serious with that. As soon as the guy started getting serious, she was jumping, abandoning ship. So uh, it just showed she's just out to, Currently have fun and not want attachments and all of that sort of thing, um, which, is, which would make Spock maybe be appealing to her because he's already got an attachment, so she doesn't have to worry about that. Um,
4: I, I found that her outfit made it look like she had a really
1: long neck and a small head. All right then. That's that's fine. I thought it made her look very pretty, but I guess uh, everybody has an opinion.
4: Everybody has their their preference and their (laughs) what they look for. I mean some people look for
1: people with long necks and small heads.
2: Jim doesn't like (laughs) pinheads.
1: With long necks. (laughs) That did not strike me at all that way. But I mean a lot of people one of the things her hair. Along with Pikes, are the two most complained about hair on the series. Well, actually, there's a lot of people. I, I mean, because because people complain about Erica's hair too, somewhat. So, I guess they have a lot of issues with people's hair on the show. But they say hers just looks frizzy and unnormally, and and not like she took any time to comb it or what? Well, I don't know. Whatever. To me, I've always liked your hair the way it, it looks in the it, normally, and then I like the way it looked in this episode too. So,
2: yes, that kind of fits the new character, though. Yeah, she doesn't seem like the time type to, to sit in the mirror for hours to please a bunch of men or something.
1: True. Okay, I, I can relate that. And then, right. I guess to be more about. I mean, Erica's hair doesn't do much for me with the shaved sides and the whole thing, but.
4: I, I think that's all part of the direction that we're eventually going to see her character go. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of this, it's like, oh, got to do it this way because that's going to mean something. Right. You know, I, right. I, I think that's eventually what's going to come to.
1: But I think it'd be interesting if you didn't go that way. If you had simply that's her haircut she prefers and, and goes a, a different direction than you're thinking. I mean, it would
4: be completely a, a shocker if they didn't. I mean, just because... Just, right. Her whole personality. But and, that's why I would do out. that.
1: I mean, I, I, that's why if it, if I'm the writer, they go no, no, let's change directions here because they're they already kind of open that door for uh, Chapel in that they've mentioned that Chapel, you know, likes women. I think this is the episode right where they mentioned that she she's gone out with women before and men. So she's well, and
4: that's I, I almost got kind of that little bit of a vibe with Chapel and. ortega ortiz yeah erica yeah erica i I, when they when they had that scene together i almost got a little bit of that vibe that there might have been trying to work something
1: out between them. well i can see the writers play with that too play with uh, because it'd be it might be fun to play with chapel in that way and have chapel just be kind of
4: so rather than a Love triangle. We'd have a love square, <laughs> quadratic,
1: <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah.
4: We Spock and Chapel and, and Erica and
1: Spock's fiance and well, maybe Lawn and, and and number <laughs> one. They could all be. It could be amazing. Well, that's
2: yeah. we didn't even talk about that in this episode. What was that? Lawn and number one in this episode had a a bunch of scenes where they're trying to break the rules and they're yeah. hanging out. They're hanging out together.
1: Yes. And, which I thought was good because that's what I've said before. Those two characters, if you have them butting heads too much, it's not gonna work. And so you gotta have them sort of be a team, and then it kind of works. And that's what they played up in this episode. I loved the part of the episode where they went on the saucer section, and then the the, the ship, the sail ship, whatever it was, went by. I thought that that was really cool, just visual. But yeah,
2: that also does play into Jim's like suspicion of the other two characters too, though. What about these two
1: characters? Right. Who knows? But I don't think, uh, I don't get the idea that it's going to, they're going to spend as much time with relationships as they do on Discovery. So they might hint at some things and not go there, or maybe they will eventually, who knows? But we'll see. Um, I think their audience likes the way they're doing things right now. If they could freeze frame what they've got sort of and and go forward, I think if they start developing too much of those relationships and things, I could see them turn off a big section of their audience perhaps, and I think they need to watch out for that. Because I mean, if that's what you're looking for, then you certainly have Discovery that you can go to and, and get more of the relationship piece. I mean, because that's part of their continuing story and all that, you know, I'm okay. I mean, I'm fine with whatever they do. I'm I'm on board, but I just think they need to somewhat think about their audience and go, okay, is this what the audience wants? This is steering away from the original Star Trek somewhat. If yeah, it
4: detracts, it, it detracts. Of, yeah
1: you know it becomes i mean having the flirty thing i mean you need that that that's okay and you you can have the females flirty and the males flirty and the whole thing but but we know in a series once you cement a relationship that it tends to audiences aren't as interested in that anymore they they they're they're interested in the in the beginning part of it but they don't want the deep part of a relationship that's why you get like moonlighting when the Characters actually got together. The show was canceled within a year. I mean, it, it, every time, every time I've ever seen them consummate a relationship between characters, if they're the main characters on the show, the show usually can't sustain anymore when it's been sustaining on on will they, won't they? Right? Um, yeah, they they did that. I'm on- fine if they have a whole crew of will they, won't they, will they, won't they. It's it's fine, but it's but it's you can't have too many of them actually pursuing the, going through those relationships because it people just i don't know aren't interested in that or whatever it is it just doesn't seem to work so well,
4: it's because people you know you're watching star trek you're not watching it for the relationships correct you're, you're you're watching it for the star trek the the discovery the exploration and stuff
1: you don't want to turn it into some Soap opera thing, you know, there's right. like relationships, which Didn't is what are about discovery, theory, right? That it's true. too soap opera or whatever. Yes, yeah. I wouldn't want to fall in that same trap. I mean, or even if you don't call it a trap, if you say that's a choice on discovery that they do this, they want to have a Star Trek adventure with people that have real relationships and deep relate and all that, that's fine, but that's an audience for that this audience they're trying to tie into more of the original star trek audience which didn't have that it's i mean star trek in some ways was more of a procedural and the procedurals don't get into all that stuff but if you watch ncis or any of those shows they they pretty much stay with what the story is the story yeah, is the they,
4: they, they did that with um with magnum pi you know in, in the last episode higgins and magnum got together <laughs> and 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 then it was it was canceled.
1: Yeah, that, that was a you. episode. Yeah, yeah. They didn't <laughs> even air that it. episode. I don't believe they decided not to air it. Yeah, it's no, in the they they Jim did. and I have seen it. But, uh... <laughs> I'm
4: talking about the new Magnum P.I. Not the,
1: oh, the old. The new one. Magnum. Oh, not the old Magnum. <laughs> okay. Higgins in the new one is a woman. Oh, <laughs> oh. Not that there'd be a problem with the original. There's right. <laughs> It'd be strange. What but, about
2: what about Pike and Spock then?
1: Like, could be, could be, you never know. Anyway, uh, back to this episode. So let's see. Is there anything else in this episode that, that stood out? I mean, I guess I I would say this: the switching of the bodies of the of the minds of the katras or whatever it is. I thought was kind of creative and, and cool to do. In that, because we've was, never seen that before, it, right? Right, <laughs> you've seen a lot of times, right? But it was a different taken from a different perspective and it's a nod to certainly uh turnabout intruder is probably the episode people most know about changing male to female right and 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 kirk and 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 uh, doctor whatever her name was but it was the final episode of star trek and remembered as one of the worst episodes of star trek ever or whatever and with and with kirk doing his ultra over the top portrayal of a of a woman that he thought was this histrionic just crazy yeah and in this case they played it more subtly and more fun and it was the whole scene with them telling uh pike what was going on i thought was great and pike's acting was fantastic it 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 was was dr
2: lester and i don't know why i remember that oh there you're dr lester there you go uh the thing that really actually kind of bumped me out was when he put the sleep putty or whatever clay on their foreheads and put those little plastic things in it yeah but that was like, this that was the dumbest freaking, after all those great effects at the beginning with the whole plant, yeah. planet, Rockin', he's going to put some like clay on their forehead and put little plastic things in it. Yep. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, we can fix this problem. No problem.
2: We can switch your back.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and it tied into him being more into the organic. Sort of stuff. So it was like what yeah. sea urchins or
2: something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was, was suspend your disbelief. They got to get this fixed, sort of thing. So uh, well, I,
4: I guess probably one of my biggest problems with this whole episode was just that it. It, it seemed to kind of be all over the place and, and trying to there was just so much stuff going on in this episode yes there was a like lot, a lot. You know, yeah. in, in many different ways and everything else you know um you know you had i mean along with all of this they had negotiating with with that new species right. as well thrown in there you know and then so it's like they, they had a lot of things going on in this episode and to me it made it kind of disjointed and, and fragmented
1: well it made it
4: to me was it wasn't just kind a of like a, a... line it was an a and a b and a c and a d yeah and a... right
1: but it was it was the concept was i think like it it's it's one of those zany over-the-top comedies where stuff's happening everywhere and affecting everything else and it and that leads to humorous situations and i think that's sort of what they were playing with without being completely over the top on the comedy, with the comedy being a little more subtle than that in most places. Um for me it all worked. It was it was just fun. Uh, it was fun to see all the different characters intermingling with different characters in different ways and all of it in humorous ways somewhat it was fun that they picked this episode to have Pike pull out his wrap around uh green tunic like like kirk always wore in so many episodes i thought that was kind of fun in in some ways too uh the uh, like i say the scenes with where he's talking to spock and and to pring and and they're explaining how how they're reversed and and his reaction is just so great i mean the whole that whole scene just works really really well and the fact that they really played up and they played with the, the whole to bring to brings always kind of had her hands in front of her when she's talking and box so often had his hands behind, but they even emphasized that more. So when it happened and, the, and they switched, you could really tell that they were both emulating the other actor's style or whatever. And that was fun. Um, and uh, yeah. And, and then having, having in the midst of this also having a, the, the nurse chapel involved in talking to both of them in different ways when they were in body and out of body and everything else was kind of fun. So
2: I, wish I for
1: me, it worked really well to me, for me as a humorous episode or whatever, what, what it was, I liked it. So, so I, 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 I certainly wasn't one of the best I, of the first four. I, you know, I, I probably liked it better in some ways than the, or enjoyed it more than the Ahura focused episode is probably out of the first the first five my my least enjoyed though i enjoyed it a lot so it'd be about that one but it'd be below all the rest so there you go
2: Um, i think they wish they would do something different with the aliens i don't know what was about it they just sort of i felt like it was a cheap throwback to next gen
1: yep that's what i felt like too
2: it just seemed i don't know something about them seemed
1: fake yep it's strange the original series got their aliens better i don't i don't understand how how things have gone downhill since then but but if i if i was to pick from all star trek which ones had kind of the best aliens especially like when i look at the telosians and their and their brain things that fluctuate the whole thing from the very first pilot I think those are the best aliens they've ever had, probably with the Talosians, the original solutions. Uh I don't know. There's something about the original series that, that could pull off aliens pretty well. On the there other is- hand, they didn't often they didn't use aliens all that much. A lot of times they were running into earth-like civilizations and they just treated them, they totally didn't do anything to the people other than their outfits may have been weird or something, right? Because what they the conceit that they use in next gen that to me doesn't work and it especially doesn't work all these years later is every time you run into an alien oh let's have them not have eyebrows so we'll get rid of their eyebrows or let's have them have a a, a wrinkly something on their cheek or let's do there's always some they're generally humans but with a little added uh, piece yeah. of, of yeah. stuff we, added to them we said- uh, or we'll do something with their ears and make their ears weird or something it's like, you know, at some point, just kind of say, I guess just say that life evolved similarly on a bunch of different planets and people kind of look like we do it. Mean, I think that works better than the whole, oh, this alien has a crinkly forehead and this alien has a, you know, whatever it is. I don't
2: know. And these guys look like zebras. With
1: yeah, right. Teeth. Yeah.
2: <laughs> just weird. Ah. I don't know. Also, the original series had like the gaseous cloud. They had the Horta, right? You know, they had yeah. some aliens that weren't completely humanoid,
1: right? You don't see they a lot. They get a of, lot, a lot of credit for the Horta, which I think is if you come up with an alien that looks completely different from what we think an alien is going to look, even though it just looked kind of like a on <laughs> whatever it was, wasn't the best. but it was completely different. And so they get a lot of credit for that, and that's why I say they just need to come up with. You don't have to come up with a lot. You just every once in a while come up with a really interesting alien, and you'll be in good shape. Well, that
4: that kind of leads into what I was saying about it's like, oh, they transport some unknown aliens on. It's like, oh, look, they're humanoid and they can breathe air and everything else. You know. Yeah. Like, right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Even
2: the even the Gorn, which is behind me, it's a yeah. it's a cheeseball costume, but it seemed to work. Yeah. For some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's the way they chose the shots, so they're not so close up or something. I, I, I,
4: I would I would guess that you know to to try to do something more different like that is a lot more expensive, um, and and because because of what is expected nowadays, you know they couldn't come up with a Gorn costume like that if they were to have the Gorns. They would have to it would probably have to be a
1: lot of CGI and stuff like that for right. the. And that's what they're talking about that the Gorn would have to be. They certainly, because uh, I know you guys don't watch the Ready Room shows, and so, but they were talking about specifically the Gorn, wow. and that they're going to be reappearing sometime this season, and certainly be a, a major villain, you know, whatever, in the future. But uh, they were saying that they were really trying to do uh, the puppetry sort of thing and the the CGI and have them. In, I guess the closest thing I can think of when I hear them talk about it is like the uh, Tyrannosaurus in the original um, uh, 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 Jurassic Park, in that they that was part of it was CGI, part of it was was puppet thing where they used it to make it real so people can touch it and all that stuff, and so but the trick they they said the trick there. And, and, and I'm glad that they knew the trick because that was good. They said the trick in, the orig- in, in Jurassic Park and the trick that they're using is you got to just the way you film it, you got to film it in the right way. You don't want to totally show straight on what this is because then it looks fake to the audience. But if you like are just showing part of the nose or part of it, you know, you're always just showing pieces of it it kind of works or if you have a distance shot and you're CGIing the whole distance shot then that kind of works but you can't do close up CGI doesn't work that brilliantly and 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 mid di- like we are looking straight at the camera and stuff doesn't work for for a, a, a puppet alien sort of thing either it's got to be sort of so it's gonna it it, like, it um, tricky to shoot it you to have to really think your shots out well is what i am mean. thinking of
2: the, another one the Corbomite maneuver
1: yeah. That's a puppet. it's not really the alien, but
2: it looks pretty spooky.
1: And it worked. I was I was thinking the same thing, and I actually watched part of that one this week because uh, I, I I was like wanted to look at that alien and see how it was done and stuff. What they did in that one is they the screen the the visual they had of it was like it was water yeah, sure, going sure. over it. It, yeah. it was the the actual it, it would be wavy. And so this waviness on top of it, otherwise I think it would have looked bad. But I think because they did that, you couldn't truly see its definition of the of the puppet or whatever the, the thing was. And so it made it scarier looking. I thought that was so brilliant. But again, I don't know if you could do that today if audiences would go. They're just trying to cover up their puppet naked you know, <laughs> make it not look make it not look so fake. I don't know. But it certainly at the time it was brilliant to do that. They knew okay, this is not gonna work. You can't just show it straight on. So let's overlay some waviness and, and make it so you can't get the full definition. And, then, and then they add the
2: music to the background on top of it to make it even yeah, worse.
1: E. Which helps. Oh, music. The beginning of the episode where it had the
2: yeah i was laugh- I, had, I had a laugh about the original star trek fight music
1: oh the original fight music they brought back i was like oh wow that's fun you know
2: oh we lost Jim. he hates us
1: oh no we didn't lose him he just moved i don't know what he he got tired of being up in the corner he realized they talked to the person below me more than the one in the corner so he, he moved himself so good to have you down there jim so yeah, Jim, what what did you think? Of, like the anything we talked about the music that that was added at the beginning of that? Did did, did that seem cheesy or did that seem like oh that's kind of
4: that was to be expected? I mean, if they're going to redo that scene, yeah, you know, then then they they need to have that be the same there. So, yeah, you know, so that was that was good,
1: and I like that they're playing a little more in this series with the old themes and with the old uh, music wise. I'm talking that. I've really enjoyed it the the music in in this series a lot. So it's been good. So many so many things have been good. I mean that uh, oh, one thing they were talking about the props um, on on the ready room uh, it might be for this episode. I mean I can't remember anyway. They had the prop guy, and I love the prop guy because the prop guy was like, "Oh, this," is, and he was showing, he was showing everything. He was so excited. It's it's a perfect. You, you want the prop guy to be a fan of the series, and he and he definitely was. He goes, "Oh yeah, we put this together, and here's how we did this." But man, the phasers are eight thousand dollars each that they cost to make the phasers. He said we have six, and so we can use the six phasers. Why,
2: why with three D printing? Why are they so expensive?
1: I don't know. He, he talked about that some he just and and they had like the it disconnects the top part like it's supposed to and everything and anyway they they to make the phaser one or whatever
2: Yeah, do some 3d printing some painting and a, and a magnet what, what i don't get it
1: i don't know why they didn't hire you bob you could do it for 50 bucks <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it looked
2: like literally look cheese ball yeah. <laughs>
1: But then he showed he showed the tricorder and he said they wanted to keep the strap the same as the original strap and, and so and what you can flip it up and the whole thing and and he said yeah those were about 8,000. I think he might, those might have been twelve thousand each or something and the communicators were a lot too and uh, whatever they had but inside the communicators they have a um, the old something. iPod Nanos you know they had little screen and so they could do the visuals of the screen and everything. And he said, "You don't have to do that in post production. That's actually live. So you can." So I thought that was kind of cool having a phaser that looked like.
2: It. Maybe you're paying union you wages or something. Seems yeah. really expensive.
1: Well, and they've stopped making nanos, so they so they had to buy them on eBay, <laughs> for eight thousand dollars each, and that added to the cost of course, <laughs> tremendously. Oh uh, yeah, that's him. That's him. That's him looking normal. That's him without the waviness. Yeah, See, that wouldn't work without the waviness. You need to, right? Yep. Well, look at that. You guys got two of my favorite aliens on the screen at the same time.
4: Oh, I'm Jim. You should see
1: me now,
2: right? <laughs> I guess if you, gave, if you put gray eyes on that, it would look like a gray alien, except for it's green. But yeah, put big, big gray, eye, big black eye, oval eyes on it, it would look like a gray.
1: Oh, really? Okay. So, anyway, um, anything else for this episode? Okay, then we, we got to, you know, oh, I, I wanted to add a new feature, too, that we haven't done. So, anyway, oh, we'll feature. get there. So, Uh-oh. first off, how would you, your rating of the episode compared to all the other episodes, where would you rate it? I would give it six thumbs up. That's not our rating scale. Oh. <laughs> and I think six is too high for you on your regular rating scale, so I think it'd no, be... Like I, I, I no,
4: it I would give it about a six.
1: Okay. Which would put it at your lowest, I think? think the lowest you've had before that. Be I think there was
4: something. There, there was one of the other episodes I think that I I didn't really care for as 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 much
1: either. So. I think there's one you were debating 6.5 or 7 and you ended up going to seven just because of the stuff I threw out there or something. Yeah. I mean
4: this this one was probably in the, the lower yeah the lowest of, of what I've seen. There there was one other one. I can't remember which one it was too that that to me it didn't, wasn't so great. Um so but I mean, they were still, still good, and it's definitely you know worth worth watching. It oh yeah,
1: not, yeah. It was not turnabout intruder level. Let me put it that way, uh, which which I would rate as a three or something in on our scale. Bob, what would you rate this one as compared to the other ones? Probably six
2: with Jupiter rising.
1: Yeah, okay. very good, very good. I I will agree with you guys that it wasn't uh, you know. There were, there's been better ones um I, i'll give it a because the characterizations and stuff are so important to me and everything and the attempted at humor and all that i'll give it a 7.5 i may even give it as high as an eight if i were to think about it. somewhere between some i'll give it a 7.75 and <laughs> but the new feature i want to add is i want us to talk about which character do we think either benefited most from the episode or was the best in the episode. And I'm going to say that this one, it's almost a three-way tie between Spock to Pring and Chapel, but I'm going to give it to Chapel just because I just love how she steals every scene she's in. I love that they, the, the, the makeup and clothing choices they made in this. I love that, that her relationship with Spock got a little deeper and everything. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Chapel is my standout in this episode. Um, Bob, who's like which character do you think this episode benefited the most?
2: I'm kind of with you. I, I'd go with T'Pring or Chapel, not Spock so much because we know Spock pretty well. Yeah, we know a lot about that. We've seen that character a lot, but I think you're right. I'm gonna have to give it to Chapel.
1: I will say what you just said there about Spock. Spock is not going to win necessarily a lot of our character of the week awards that we talk about, but I will say <clears> is <throat> nailing Spock. It doesn't even make, I don't even question that it's not Nimoy or it's not, there's no, it's just Spock. And, and so that's, what's so brilliant about him. Yeah. And he, and he's like,
2: if he does that, then no one notices. Yeah. He fucks That's it up. He fucks it. Oh, sorry, he goofed it up. <laughs> he couldn't get through an episode.
1: <laughs> Almost. we were so, so close.
2: close. So close. I think he's got to pull it off, otherwise people get knocked yeah. out of the scene. So the fact that you think, just think of him automatically as Spock. Which, same with me, I think I could see him or Nemo in that role. Yeah. Although I can't, I can't completely say a thing with Quinto. I mean, I like Quinto, but he's still not right. Um, yeah, so he, he's you know the best he can do is parody, I guess. Right. With the original,
1: who? Wait, who Quinto? You mean or this guy? Peck? No,
2: Peck. Okay. I mean, I like I said, he, same with you. I think this is Spock. Yeah. I don't like go. Oh, it's a different actor. Right. He he nails it so well that you. Don't
1: and to know from interviews and everything the actor is working so hard to do that. So, I mean he he spends more time I think than any other actor on his scenes, working everything out that he's going to do and everything. He he and the actress that paid to Pring got together and rehearsed tons off screen beforehand. That they didn't, you know, it's not the, the production or anything asked him to do that. He, he, to Pring was like not necessarily going to do that, but the fact that he wanted to do that, she was like all on board with it. And they, they said that they think it added so much layers to their performance when they gave it the the fact that yeah. they spent so much time together working on it.
4: You
2: know, I think like, as Jim said last time, she's hot, so that's probably why you wanted to spend time with her. Yeah, it's- like, did I say that?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at some point here that Peck and the actors the plays to Pring are going to have a you know, off-screen relationship. You know. But anyway, Jim, you were well, who, what actor do you think did this serve the best?
4: Uh, yeah, I, I think uh,
1: I would agree with you guys. Well, what do we say? We said Chapel, essentially? <laughs> <laughs> no,
4: prob- I would say probably the one that it moved along and, and you got to learn the most about would probably be Chapel okay um, you know and, and and like you were saying with with the spock character you know spock, spock has a very distinct personality a very distinct manner and and that type of thing whereas you know a lot of the other characters are just kind of like normal people but he's something that's kind of completely different so that's why when you play him you've got to play him like that because that's what people expect you know right the, the other characters they expect them just to kind of be normal people and and so it doesn't take as much to uh, just be an actor playing a normal person. You know, he has to live up to
1: something with his particular character. Correct, correct. And he's the character of all the characters where we have the most experience with them. Even Pike, he only has to base that off of a character that we saw one time in one hour of footage, right? And, and same thing with number one. Um, yeah. You know, Chapel, you would say, if she was based on the chap, but the thing is, she's not. She, yeah. With her, they need to unleash the character and go, okay, we're going to have to just ignore the old chapel character to some extent. I mean, this, we honor it by having the, the infatuation with Spock or whatever, but we're going to have to have more layers to that because it's not going to work as a character other than if we just have you be complete supporting and never have any kind of. Yeah. She'd be like, Chief Kyle or whatever his name. Yeah, is. Right. Yeah, right. It'd be Grand, that. It'd be Grand that Grand sort of King thing, Kyle. where every once in a while she looks longingly at Spock, and that's all we ever get. Right? Yeah. So yeah, but that's not what they're doing. So yeah. All right. So uh, thanks everybody for this episode. I, I continue to enjoy the show. It's the only the biggest letdown that everybody has is is that we're now this is episode five. We've already. The gang here has already seen six and already reviewed six. So there's only four episodes left. And so of the season, um, I wish they would have done more, but we'll see. Hopefully. I mean, it's the most popular show they've ever had on the network. And so you would hope the second season or the third, they start cranking out more episodes, but who knows? We'll find out, I suppose. But uh, like I say, thanks guys. And uh, everybody have a good weekend. Enjoy. Star Trek, and I'm glad you guys are liking
3: Strange New Worlds. Bye. Joining me in the Ready Room this week is Enterprise Science Officer Spock Ethan Peck and Gia Sandu, who plays T'Pring, Enkosh Tank Teal Counselor and Spock's fiance. The cast of Star Trek Strange New Worlds plays Star Trek Bingo! Plus, I got an exclusive sneak peek at next week's episode. Time to cash in your shore leave and report to the Ready Room for all that and more. Hey, nerds. I'm Will Wheaton, and this is The Ready Room, your official behind-the-scenes hub for all things Star Trek universe. Today, we're breaking down episode 5 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, titled Spock Amok, which is exceptionally appropriate. If you do not know why, red alert! This episode is such a hugely enjoyable foray into Spock and to Pring's relationship, it would be highly illogical to experience it any other way than how it was intended. So please, go stream it, then come back here as we get up close and personal with Vulcan mating rituals. Okay, so I know that you have seen the episode, and it's totally one of your favorite episodes of Star Trek of all time now, right? You know. There is no way we could do The Ready Room today with anyone other than Ethan Peck and Gia Sandu, who brought the hijinks, the positive relationship modeling, and did I mention the hijinks? I quite enjoyed the hijinks. We don't get to do hijinks on Star Trek. Now, in some traditions, the groom-to-be isn't allowed to see the bride-to-be before the wedding day or its horrendous bad luck. And sometimes on the ready room, one of our actors gets stuck on the set and can't be here. So to be on the safe side, I'm putting these two things together, talking to Ethan and Gia separately. Today, we'll also learn all about the Enar, the pacifist subspecies of Andorian that Chief Engineer Hemmer belongs to. But before we get to any of that, this episode sees Number One and Chief Laon catch some rogue ensigns playing Enterprise Bingo, an off-the-books game that involves breaking quite a few Starfleet rules. You know, when I was an ensign, all we did was sick breakdancing battles. Watch this. The normally rule-bound duo decide to remain on board the Enterprise during shore leave and play the game themselves in an attempt to prove that they aren't, in fact, where fun goes to die. With a new series and mostly new cast, we felt like we had some initiating of our own to do. So we recruited the cast of Strange New Worlds for a game of Star Trek bingo. Control room? Engage.
5: I've sat in the captain's chair.
3: I have, yes.
2: Yes, I
0: have. Very sexy feeling. <laughs> I wish I could say yes, no.
5: Yes, I have, as has my dog, Runa. Yes, and it was awesome.
0: I really wanted to.
1: Well, yes, I have. Yes,
0: so is my mom. I've walked by it very closely. One
5: of the first things I did on one of my first days on set was sit in the captain's chair.
0: I had my hand on it.
5: I mean, I've been sitting in the captain's chair my whole life, but technically not.
0: I've had a Star Trek fan approach me with strong emotion. Yes.
3: Not yet. Nope. Not yet. Not physically. I've
5: had a bunch of people in my, like, social media DMs. Do my parents count? Yes. Not yet.
2: Yes. Yes, I have, and it's a wonderful feeling. I've watched at least one Star Trek series in its entirety. No, but i Mm-mm.
5: Yes, the original series. Yes. I haven't. You know what? No, I haven't. No, but yes. No, I have not. I mean, I've seen a lot of The Next Generation. That was my Star Trek growing up. No, I haven't done this. Yes. That's a tricky question. I don't know how you guys are going to count that. I've secretly taken home something from the set.
6: Um...
0: No
5: comment. Well, it wouldn't be a secret if I told you what I took, would it?
6: Close, but all the time I wanna steal stuff.
0: Yes. Moving on. I have a set of Spock ears. Taking a couple things. I'm surprised they haven't caught me
6: yet. No, I haven't. No. <laughs> I'm constantly asking like, okay, like, hey, can I take that chair home?
5: Triple. I took a triple, but don't tell anybody.
6: I've done the Star Trek shake, yeah.
5: No, not yet. I have not. Oh, Star Trek shake, yes. Yes, I have. Yes! No. Yes, I have. Yes, in every sort of way.
6: Melissa, who plays Ortega, is like, are we going Last week we going?
5: Is it directional? Is it non-directional?
6: Where are we getting hit from? How
5: big is the thing that's hitting us?
0: Yes, awesome. I won Star Trek bingo.
3: Bingo. I'm now joined by Gia Sandu who plays T'Pring on Strange New World. Gia, thank you so much for dropping into the ready room to chat with us today.
5: My absolute pleasure, thank you for having me.
3: So I've been watching Star Trek my entire life and this episode is I think the funniest Star Trek episode I have ever seen. Star Trek is not typically known for its comedy, but your deadpan comedic beats with Ethan in this episode absolutely killed me. What should we do?
5: You must answer it. These are my quarters. Anyone who comes here will expect me to answer the door.
6: I know how a door works. If they go away, that may give us enough time to fix the situation.
5: Logic suggests the easiest way to get them to go away is for you to answer
6: while pretending to be me. Spock, I do not like hijinks.
5: In that, we are in agreement. but. It appears that hijinks are the most logical course of action.
3: Talk to me about finding the musical timing in that comedy without losing the Vulcan logic.
5: First of all, thank you so much. That's a huge compliment, um, and I take that to heart. Um, I think uh, a lot of it is is actually in in the script. It's it's written out. Um, what you guys don't see is that the ellipses or pauses are written into our dialogue. So. We don't have to over-intellectualize what's going to play as funny, you know, where, where do the writers um, want us to take those moments. It's all kind of laid out for us, which is really nice, takes a lot of the homework out of it. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that very often in life, you know, some of the people who are the funniest are the people who are not trying to be funny at all. Uh, so from the perspective of the actor, I think we we read we read these words and, and we we understand these circumstances as being so bizarre and, out- and outrageous, and uh, then I think we just try to find the sincerity and um, the realism you know, with, within all of that. And I think that's probably part of what, what helps it um, you know, hopefully be funny.
3: You and Ethan have these really beautiful, meaningful, romantic moments uh, uh, more than once in this season, but particularly in this episode. And I think we all want to know how in the world did you guys manage to make logic sexy?
5: <laughs> Spock parted from me and never parted, never and always touching and touched. We meet at the appointed place.
6: Dupring parted from me and never parted. Never and always touching and touched.
2: I weigh you.
5: Um, thank you. Uh, I think I think that's a, a lot of that work is is you know uh, glamorous costumes and um, moody lighting and you know great sound. So I I would um, I, I would you know applaud applaud the team that works behind the scenes and you know creating a wonderful atmosphere so that Ethan and I can speak like this and still be sexy. <laughs> <laughs> that was great.
3: Thank you for that. <laughs> Um, I was at a big Star Trek convention just this last weekend and uh, in the in the context of just having a conversation about Star Trek A fan mentioned that it would be great if we did like a Freaky Friday Star Trek episode No, I had already seen this and I was like ah oh, ha, ha ha that's not a thing. That's actually happening. Ha 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 It sure would be funny if that happened. It hasn't happened already. Ha 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 um, And uh, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it And I started thinking about this in the context of you switching bodies and 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 switching characters you and Eden Nathan, know your individual characters very well, but now you have this really fun challenge of embodying each other's character. I've never had the opportunity to do that, but I've noticed that physical choices profoundly affect my acting choices. Did you find yourself maybe I don't know, like trying to feel yourself inside of Ethan's body and like a, oh, what a terrible way to put that. Um, but like, you know, inside <laughs> of his sort of katra.
5: Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Um, that was a big part of it was, um, I mean, at the, at the, at the core of it, this is, this is a love story. You know, it's two young people in a relationship who are trying to, uh navigate murky waters and um they're in very unusual circumstances and i think you know what an opportunity to be able to see the world as your significant other does and um so we definitely we definitely talked about body language we talked about voice i mean ethan has this like very strong deep voice naturally yeah and so um I tried within my own register as best as I could to, you know, bring some gravitas to my voice, and he kind of lifted his voice a little bit, and then yeah. um, mannerisms as well. You know, we see Ethan with his arms behind his back uh, while he while he works on the ship a lot, whereas uh, to Pring is often, you know. A little bit more princessy in, in her in her mannerisms. I think that I had uh, I, I I mean I really enjoyed being able to see Ethan's process. He he really let me into you know the different um, subtleties and the way all uh, his his own interpretation of you know the Spock that he's created now, but also very much his influences from the original Spock and and you know um, Star, Star Trek as a, as a whole and how they've influenced, you know, um, the, the choices that he's made. It
3: sounds to me like maybe this was a little bit more of a collaboration for the two of you than, than maybe it would have been in another context?
5: Absolutely. It was majorly collaborative. Um, I'm going to let out a secret. We ended up hanging out a whole bunch before (laughs) before doing this show, although it was it was not advised. But uh, we definitely we took it really seriously. We wanted to, you know, do as much justice as we possibly could. Um, I mean, we're not shooting a film, so we don't have the luxury of, you know, months and months of preparation. So we kind of took the pieces of each other that um, I think fans would ab- be able to identify the most, you know, with, with Spock, for instance, you know, the eyebrow is the big thing. So it took me a while to work because I can do my left one, can't do my right one as easily, which he does. <laughs> okay. So that was part of, you know, just just getting my muscles to work a yeah. little bit differently. <laughs> I am Spock.
6: And I am Tukring. Now that you know, you can likely tell the very clear differences in our mannerisms. Yeah, totally.
3: The physical choices you made were subtle but extremely clear to me. Like that, it, it the instant when we uh, when we kind of know that something has happened and 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 that you have sort of switched bodies, the instant that happened, I really saw it just wash over both of you in that two shot, um, and it was super satisfying to watch. When we saw Tupring in episode one this season, um, I immediately, of course, recognize her as a legacy character. Um, I had kind of lost touch with the fact that she really only appears in a mock time in the original series, which we homage beautifully at the beginning of, of Spock Amok. Just, like, I just sat there with my mouth open and just clapping my hands through that entire opening sequence. It was so great. Um, I have had the opportunity to talk to a few of your castmates about stepping into the roles of legacy characters and making them your own uh, while honoring the original. And I'm just wondering, because she is an important character in Star- Star Trek lore and mythology, but because she exists in such a limited way before you step into the role, was there anything for you to draw from, or were you able to really just populate her with all of your own intentions?
5: It's, it's a really good question. I think, um, first of all, I'm just so grateful um, because when Arlene Martell, when she steps on uh, in front of the camera, there's something that's just so captivating and alluring and mysterious about her. And I think if you know, uh, if she wasn't the person cast in that role, we might not be seeing uh, Topring again. But you know, there's something that really makes the audience want to see more. You have become much
2: known among our people, Spock. Almost a legend. And as
5: the years went by, I came to know that I did not want to be the consort of a legend. And even though, you know, it's 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 she's on screen for a short amount of time, but um, what an impact she makes. And so there is some great framework and a great outline uh, that was developed in a really short amount of time. And I feel really grateful um, that I can, you know, shade in uh, part of that. And, um, you know, there is not so much that it makes me feel intimidated. That uh, you know, I have to you know, you know, perfect all sorts of things um, to create, uh, to recreate something that's already established. Because you know, there there's so much room for me to also play and go back in time and a lot of imagination that I'm able to use uh, to to try to create somebody. And you know, a lot of the questions that I asked some that I asked myself were, you know, what is this person? Who would she have been? when she was younger. And I think some of the answers were she's probably even more fiery um, than we see her uh, at that point. You know, she's probably, you know, grappling with, you know, being this high society person or being, and then at the same time, you know, be, being in love and, and, you know, then being in love with somebody else. And, you know, it's, it's very human in, in a lot of ways as well. Um, I absolutely
3: loved it, and in that thing we do as, as writers and actors where we show and not tell, you and Ethan showing each other's characters, and through your performance this week, I learned more about Spock, and as someone who has watched and loved Spock for literally my entire life, that was really special for me. I know that I am not the only person who will walk away from this episode with that. So thank you for the gift that you've given everyone in Star Trek fandom with that performance. And thank you for spending some time with us today in the Ready Room. I cannot wait to see what comes next for T'Pring, and I hope we will get to explore your relationship further.
5: Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure having this conversation with you. Yes.
3: My next guest needs absolutely no introduction, so please join me as I welcome Ethan Peck to the Ready Room. Ethan, it is such a privilege to speak to you today. It's a privilege to speak to you. Thanks for having me. I want to talk about the episode that we just saw today. In this episode, when you and Gia do uh, what I call the switcheroo.
5: We have apparently switched bodies.
3: This was not meant to happen. How do we switch back? I do not know. How did you bring her out in in your body that is so used to being Spock?
6: It was um a really frightening episode for me to do. I got the script and I was like, is this going to work cuz I'm I'm Ethan playing Spock who's become to Pring that has to pretend to be Spock. Yeah. So it's like kind of like a like a labyrinth uh, of a problem emotionally
3: yeah yeah
6: because i was still kind of feeling out spock i'm still feeling out spock i think no that will kidding. be sort of uh, an everlong process because all i want to do is keep finding more layers and nuance in him mm-hmm. and we have such an incredible writing staff and and they um support me in that endeavor um which just supports the show and and the world of strange new worlds yeah um but so So, Gia and I spent a lot of time with one another reading each other's lines to each other. Yeah. We have a lot of fun on set. We had a lot of fun doing that, definitely. We were both like, well, like, hope this works out. Yeah. And again, the the team that we work with is just so incredible and, and they would protect us. I'm sure we did some crazy stuff that didn't make it onto the episode. Thank goodness but i actually asked her if if she wanted me to come in on days that just she was working yeah because i was like if you want me to come in and like i'll be your spock coach <laughs>
3: oh that's so great
6: but uh she i think felt comfortable because we really did put in a lot of work to pick up each other's sort of traits and qualities and characteristics
3: you talked about how you are still getting to know spock which is astonishing to me um, after watching you play Spock on hmm. Discovery and seeing you play Spock through up to this point, I feel like you've got this. I feel like, like I, I just, <laughs> I, I mean, like, I get that terror. Like, I know like, oh, the responsibility of Star Trek. You have the responsibility of being Spock. Like, come on, <laughs> like, I get yeah. it. Yeah, it's pretty heady. I can, I can only imagine. Like yeah. I know what the I know how people are toward me about Wesley, and he's just Wesley, he's not Spock <laughs> I mean that's a really big thing
6: sure, I mean <laughs> I don't know, so are you to me, but yeah, I totally understand it, it He's been rated as like the most iconic television character on multiple lists, and yeah, when I got it, it was just it, I still have difficulty kind of um enfolding it in my reality. It's this strange thing that's a part of my life. Uh, And I don't think about it too much because it's too strange.
3: One of the most satisfying elements of Strange New Worlds for me as a lifelong Star Trek fan are these moments where you who are playing legacy characters get to interpret something new, something we haven't seen before. A little piece of their story that fleshes them out in a way they were never fleshed out before that just makes all of your characters unique to this iteration of the Enterprise and, and, and all of that. Um, I imagine that that comes with some risk, that there are some, fa- that there's, I remember when we started Next Generation, there were fans who, they didn't want us to be our own thing. They wanted us to be a direct recreation of the original series. Talk to me, if you if you will, just a little bit about the challenges and maybe some of the joys in discovery of, of finding new pieces of Spock and finding just how you have managed to take this character and really make him your own while respecting like all of that other stuff.
6: Yeah, I believe I have been given this amazing opportunity to not just play a very special role uh, in a very special world and franchise, uh, but to evolve, to, to become worthy of the role. When I first got it, I understood that there was so much I had to learn about myself to really uh, serve this character and serve this role. Spock is so pure Mm -hmm. in his actions, in his thinking, in the execution of his philosophies. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of clutter in my mind. And I felt that I had to become a more efficient and optimal thinker just on set, right? Mm -hmm. You've been on set. It can be a very pressurized environment. It can be very scary. Um, you have to come in with your lines remembered and you have to deliver something very precisely, emotionally. And so I knew that I had to become a better Ethan. I'm giving all of my heart and soul and my effort to this character and to this time in my life. And I think that is yielding a spot that is unique to me, or at least I hope that. And there, of course, has been an impression made on me by Leonard Nimoy's Spock. Yeah. And so in me, I have this memory and experience of that that then becomes something else when I, when I work on set. Yeah. And uh, that's something I'm still kind of understanding and figuring out how to explain and how to improve upon. And like I said, I hope I have many more episodes and years to uh, further discover him.
3: One of the big differences I am noticing between your Spock and Leonard Nimoy's Spock is a, uh, this this season is leaning a bit more into the human side of Spock and and how yeah. Spock kind of struggles with the human side.
6: I am concerned that Supreme thinks I'm an incompatible mate because I'm half human. Okay. I had a terrible dream last night that I had to fight my human side.
5: Vulcans, don't do subtle, do you?
6: I was raised on Vulcan, among Vulcans my human family connection was frequently used to isolate me
3: but it's a big part of who he is yeah a very surprising relationship for me as a member of the audience is emerging between Spock and Chapel that is clearly inspired by the mm. relationship that existed between those characters as originated by Leonard and Majel but you and Jess have a very very different relationship there's such a bond between them um it almost feels to me like she is a person who is allowing Spock to even look at his human side and even touch his mm. human side in a way that I feel like he doesn't really want to do. She comes to him like, yeah, like, buddy, let me help you human a little bit. Um, uh, if I have, if I am interpreting that relationship correctly, um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that and just talk to me about Jess. I think he finds uh,
6: that human inspiration and permission um, I think, firstly, in in Captain Pike, mm-hmm. and then in season two of Discovery, in Michael Burnham, mm-hmm. and now uh, in, on, in sort of a at a different angle, a romantic one, mm-hmm. right, with with Nurse Chapel, mm-hmm. um, played by Jess. And uh, yeah, I think Jess brings this sort of uh, a sparkling and electric impulsiveness to Nurse Chapel that makes her so wonderful and fun to watch and. I think, makes Spock so curious and fascinated. Forgive me for using that word. (laughs) It's really a gift to be able to explore those halves of him and and with these other characters like that Um, because he is so disdainful of his human half in the original series. And I I believe in Strange New World, Spock also has a great amount of shame um, with his human side. And this is the time of his life where he really begins to accept it, explore it and find strength in it because um, what I think is that he's learning uh, that emotion plays a big part of his logic. Yes. As sort of wrong as that sounds because his, his, the emotion that he um, feels and then interprets and intuits from, I think plays a really big part in his, in, in his problem solving. And um, Characters like Captain Pike and Michael Burnham and of course Amanda Grayson, although she's um, you know, sort of far and away at this point, and yeah. uh, and Nurse Chapel are helping him to strengthen that side of him that will help him become the Spock that we see in the original series.
3: You mentioned uh, the, the the romance angle of of his character, and there is uh, when T'Pring comes into Spock's quarters and just throws so much shade at him about how human the place is. I, I thought that oh, was yeah. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was unbelievably funny. Yeah. Um, then these two characters, just there is this smoldering passion between them that is like really Mm. like, it's just like, I need to take, I need to loosen my tie watching these two. Um, uh, (laughs) How in the world did you guys manage to make Vulcan logic and stoicism so unbelievably sexy?
6: (laughs) I really appreciate that. I have no idea. I think it's partially That's what in the acting. <laughs> <laughs> really? You guys are killing me. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that we just get along and and we have fun, and I think that chemistry carries onto camera. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, I've seen films where I'm like, oh my gosh, their on-screen chemistry is so good, and then I've heard that behind the scenes they were like at each other's throats. That's yeah. so not the case with us. Yeah. Um, but again, I just think that. You know i think i'm in the right place at the right time for this role and i think g is just so beautifully cast for to pring yeah and and again it's a it's a really safe and um rich working environment so we get to be fully alive right i think fear is such a um such a killer of creativity on on sets and and in general for any sort of uh, creative person so we really try to mitigate the amount of fear that exists on set
3: I could sit here and talk to you forever um, about this entire season. Uh, but I would spoil so many things for our audience and I wouldn't dream of doing that. (laughs) Um, the control room tells me that there's a non-zero chance I'm gonna get to talk to you at the end of the season and I'm gonna have so many things that I am excited to, to discuss with you. I have so many questions. Oh, well we should do it sometime. (laughs) Yeah, we should do it sometime. I would really love that. On behalf of everyone in the audience, I, I just wanna thank you for making time for us today. Oh, my pleasure. As a member of Legacy Star Trek, um, uh, I, I always want to say to everybody who's like coming into the Star Trek universe now, um, like uh, we built a little bit of this world that you guys are making so unbelievably cool. And as a fan, as part of this, um, and as the host of this show, um, it's a really big deal to get to talk to you. Um, and get to watch you bring this character oh to life. Oh my gosh, you so, kidding? Uh, Thank you for everything. Oh my gosh, thank you
6: so much, Will. And it's such an incredible honor to build on what you've built and take it a step further in another direction, um, sideways, up, down, whichever way we're taking it. Uh, it's my honor, really. And thank you so much for your time and for your great questions. And I can't wait to see you again. And we'll talk all about the season we can't spoil right now. Amazing, I'm looking
3: forward to it. Thanks, Ethan. Me too, thank you. Spock isn't the only Legacy Star Trek character to swap bodies with another. Which other character from the original series was put in a similar situation? Was it A, Sulu, B, Scotty, C, Dr. McCoy, or D, Captain Kirk? Don't boldly go anywhere, stay tuned for the answer. This season of Strange New Worlds introduces Chief Engineer, Hemmer, whose curmudgeonliness is just one of the many reasons we all love him. Hemmer is an Enar, a subspecies of Andorian mostly seen in Star Trek Enterprise, though Andorians themselves have made plenty of appearances throughout Star Trek all the way back to the original series. For any of us not yet familiar, or those of us who are simply fascinated by an alien subspecies and can't get enough deep dive canon looks, let's take a closer look at who exactly the Enar are.
0: Hello, my name is Bruce Horak, and I play the character of Hemmer on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Rerouting auxiliary power. Get ready. Hammer is the chief engineer, so he's often found in engineering. He is an Enar, which is a subspecies of the Andorian people. Akiva and I really wanted to have an alien member of the crew in addition to Spock, and we weren't ready to introduce Scotty yet, and we needed an engineering character because we have built this incredible AR set for engineering. I think it was Kirsten Beyer who's one of our producers on the show, who suggested that we look at the Enar, who came from Enterprise. We have, uh, you know, an opportunity to increase in a regular way the pantheon of aliens. Now, the Enar are a subspecies of the Andorians. They grew up in these ice caves, and they're blind at birth. They don't see, but they have these incredible uh, heightened
6: senses. Emmer may not be able to see, but his other senses compensate. Compensate? They are superior. They
0: are telepathic uh, at a level that's much more than um, you know, your average
5: Andorian. I've read that, among many things, the Enar have a form of precognitive ability.
0: I knew you were going to ask that.
5: Because you sensed my question before I asked it.
0: Because everyone always asks that. To research the role of the Enar, I watched uh, a couple of episodes that they appear in. They first appear in Star Trek Enterprise. And then I just went down the rabbit hole on the fan sites, uh, Memory Alpha, dug into as much backstory as I could find, just went deep on into the Andorian cultures and lifestyles and uh, learned about how the Enar are all pacifists and so sort of took that in. Pacifism is not passivity. It's the active protection of all living things in the natural universe. What do I love about Hammer? I love his confidence. I love his journey over the over the series. To impress me, you're going to need to do better than theorize. As he, he sort of starts as like a kind of a bit of a crusty codger and eventually kind of breaks down and you get to learn about that's kind of what makes him tick. Engineering the transporter, try it now. What the, how did you? I'm a genius. And uh, Hammer is a genius, he knows it, and he's not afraid to tell you so. Hammer out.
3: Spock isn't the only legacy Star Trek character to swap bodies with another. Which other character from the original series was put in a similar situation? Sulu, Scotty, Dr. McCoy, or Captain Kirk? And the answer is Captain Kirk! In the original series episode Turnabout Intruder, Dr. Janice Lester, a former flame of Captain Kirk's, used a device to swap bodies so that she might captain the Enterprise, a rank she resented as beyond her reach as a woman. Unlike T'Pring, I am not an expert in showing you the true path of Vulcan logic. However, I can show you the way to an exclusive sneak peek at what next week's episode has in store for us. Enjoy. Uh, Aurora and I met years ago.
0: He rescued me from another shuttle. Seems like you have bad luck with shuttles. Or good, depending on how you look at it. (laughs) Well, uh, allow me to welcome you all to Enterprise.
5: Your uh, new uniform is very yellow.
0: Oh, it's gold, technically, because I'm uh, (laughs) a captain, so.
5: Well, on behalf of Majalis, we thank you for your help. Captain
0: Pike. Uh, this is my number one.
6: Una, a Lieutenant Commander Una Team Riley. Allow me to take you to the ready room to debrief.
0: But first, I must insist you take us to your medical facility. Of course, right away. Uh, Chief Kyle will escort you down. Uh, sorry, are you the boy's father? It's strictly in a biological sense. <laughs>
3: It's been a while, but if memory serves me correctly, there is nothing like being on the bridge of the Enterprise when the action picks up. Thank you so much for watching this week's episode of The Ready Room. Our time together really does mean the world to me. Next week, we'll be taking a slightly broader approach to our guest interview than normal. I'll be joined by the one, the only, Alex Kurtzman, the supreme big boss of the entire Star Trek universe, to talk all about it. This is going to be one of those interviews where my jaw spends a lot of time on the floor, and I know yours will too. Until then, I'm Will Wheaton. Live long and prosper.